Hello and welcome into the Floor Slap Podcast, everyone, where we are Big Ten fans talking about Big Ten sports. I'm your host, Sean. Uh, funny enough, I actually just finished up recording this episode last night, only to find out today that everything got erased. So we're going to be running it through again, and I promise I'll, I'll make it better the second time. But uh, today we actually have a really exciting episode and um, something I think you guys will all find really interesting. So spring practice is underway across the Big Ten and across the country. Um, and spring games are, are coming up in the in the next few weeks throughout April, and this is a really exciting time in college football because it's really the first look we get at what these teams will look like in 2023. Obviously, after spring practice, there's always um, some more transfer portal activity, and the members of the latest recruiting class who weren't early enrollees, they're jo- they will join their teams this summer. So um, still a little bit of shuffling to do as far as rosters go, but for the most part, the teams we're seeing practice right now, the players on those teams, um, are the teams we're going to see suit up this fall. But, you know, as fans, it can definitely be frustrating. We um, don't have access into this into the practices. All we can really go off of is what we see um, beat writers and other me- members of the media tweet out. Um, and then the spring game. That's really our first and only look at what this team is going to look like, um, at least until, you know, the season kicks off. Uh, so what I'm going to do for you is go team by team and give you two things to really hone in on when you're either squinting your, um, scrolling on your Twitter feed, seeing what guys are um, saying about practice, um, and then when you actually sit down to watch your team spring game, um, these are two areas where you really need to key in. I'll give you one on offense, one on defense, and these are the things that really will dictate how successful your team is going to be, whether or not you're just hoping to get to a bowl game this year or you have national title aspirations. Every team has a couple things uh, that their success really hinges on. So we'll hit on all of those today. Um, We're going to have another two-parter for you. Um, We're going to cover the Big Ten East today, Big Ten West later in the week. Um, But let's not stall around anymore. We got a lot to cover, so let's dive right into it. This is the Floor Slap Podcast. Right. This should be a really fun episode covering uh, spring storylines on things to watch for all the teams in the Big Ten. Like I said before, we're going to be covering Big Ten East today. Um, Let's not play any favorites. We can go in alphabetical order, which means Indiana is the first team up. Indiana is definitely an interesting team to have to go first, mainly because they are hoping to see a lot of improvement in virtually every single position group across the board heading into 2023. Uh, they've had as rough as a two-year stretch as anyone has in the Big Ten since they expanded in 2011, um, and their offense in particular really sputtered at the end of the last season, scoring over 20 points just once in their final five games. Um, their quarterback, their starter for the majority of last year, quarterback Connor Bazalek, he's out transferring to Bowling Green, and their leading rusher Sean Shivers, he's gone, he graduated. Uh, so it's going to be a very uh, new look offense for Indiana. So um, sticking. On the offensive side of the ball, it's uh, I definitely had some trouble figuring out, you know, where should Indiana fans really hone in? What's the most important area for them to watch in the spring? Originally, I thought offensive line because they've been plagued by poor offensive line play pretty much throughout Tom Allen's tenure, especially these past two seasons. Um, but when I look further into that position, obviously, we, as we discussed in the last episodes, they hired uh, Bob Bostad at, as offensive line coach who coached at Wisconsin and has a long history in the NFL. Um, I think he should help elevate this group. 
They also return all of their interior offensive linemen, bring in uh, three new freshmen, and also a transfer Max Longman out of UMass to compete for a tackle spot. So I don't think we're going to see any massive strides uh, along the offensive line, but I think it's safe to say they will improve. And I don't think this spring is going to, you know, show us anything crazy out of that position. Um, quarterback, obviously they're going to have a new starter this year. So I thought that would be a position to watch, but Dexter Williams, uh, who started two games last year, he tore his knee up at the end of last season. And so he's out for the rest of the spring. We don't get to see him. He kind of figures to be the incumbent starter, but he will have to compete with freshman Brock Lowry and as well as Taven Jackson. He might be a name to keep an eye on. He transferred over from Tennessee. He was a four star in last year's recruiting class. But, you know, it'd be nice to keep an eye on Taven Jackson and Brock Lowry. But without being able to compare to Dexter Williams, it's going to be hard to get a read on that quarterback room. So, um, for IU fans, when you're watching your spring game and, and when you're kind of checking things out on, on Twitter, see how spring practice is going, what I think you guys really should hone in on on the offensive side of the ball are the skill position players. Um, and there are three names, um, that we really need, that you guys should really keep an eye on because I think they have the potential to make this offense, um, actually pretty good and able to put up points and can maybe able to carry them, uh, to a bowl appearance. The first name we really need to keep an eye on this spring on the offensive side of the ball is Jalen Lucas. That should be a name Hoosier fans are already familiar with. He was a freshman All-American last year. He was um, only IU's third leading rusher with 271 yards, but he had by far the best yard per carry at five and a half. He also hauled in 16 receptions, but he made most of his impact in the return game, bringing back two kickoffs for touchdowns. Um, you know, he's a smaller size, but he uh, was a track star in high school. He's got a great athleticism, probably one of the better athletes on Indiana's team. Um, so he's going to be right there with Josh Henderson, uh, who was transferred from UNC last year. He was their second leading rusher last year. Those are going to be the top two guys in the backfield. Um, and given... Indiana is returning all three of their interior offensive linemen. You would hope to see a better run game because last year, this offense was just not balanced at all. We saw Connor Bazalik, you know, throw the ball over 50 times in a couple games just because they couldn't run the ball with any sort of efficiency. So I think if Jalen Lucas can kind of take a step up, you know, whether or not it's going to be kind of a two headed backfield with him and Josh Henderson, or if Jalen Lucas can really elevate his play and be kind of a bell cow and touch the ball 20, 25 times a game. Uh, either way, his, how he develops and kind of what his ceiling ends up being is going to do go a long way for determining how this Indiana offense looks. Because like I said, especially with Dexter Williams or Taven Jackson, two unproven quarterbacks uh, back there, uh, it's going to be hard for them to win any games if they're forced to throw the ball 40, 50 times. So their run game is going to have to be better. And I think a lot of that depends on how Jalen Lucas um, progresses in his second year. So definitely keep an eye out there. Um, and the other two names I really want Indiana fans to keep an eye out for are at the receiver position. So we have Cam Camper uh, as the, the leading returner at receiver. He had 569 yards last year. And although those aren't eye-popping stats, I really like him as a receiver. I think he's a solid number one to have. He's quick, athletic, can go make those um, contested catches in one-on-one coverage. Um, so I think he's an underrated name, someone to keep an eye out potentially for All-American uh, I mean, sorry, all Big Ten honors next season, but he can't do it alone. And the only other two returners they have with any real experience are Anderson Kobe and Donovan McCulley. They combined for just about 400 receiving yards last year. So, you know, nice experience there, but they really need someone else, if it's not going to be Kobe or McCulley, to step up to give um, whoever the quarterback ends up being 
uh, some options and give him some help so this offense can really be dynamic and not um, just have to rely on you know Josh Henderson and Jalen Lucas in the backfield. Um, but Indiana got two transfers um, from this transfer portal that I think could be really big impact players. The first is EJ Williams out of Clemson. He was a four-star in the 2020 class and made an immediate impact as a freshman with 306 yards. He's only had about um, 133 since, so he hasn't seen the field a ton, um, but he's a really talented guy. Don't get it wrong. Um, he stands at six foot three, so big size. He's a really strong guy, doesn't get pushed off the line very easily, and can go make contested catches. Um, and I think he's just the kind of guy where you don't need to be necessarily super athletic to get him the ball. He has a really great catch radius and, like I said, really strong. So I know he hasn't seen the field a ton in the past few years, but he's definitely a guy that can step in and be an immediate impact player for Indiana and could even contend um, for the wide receiver one spot with Cam Camper. Um, and the other transfer is going to have just as good of a shot at that wide receiver one position as well. Uh, Decus Carter, Decus. Carter, I want to say. Um, apologies for if I'm butchering that name, but he transfers over from uh, Fordham, and he's been an impact player from them since he arrived on campus in 2019. Uh, last year, he had 1,166 yards and 13 touchdowns. Um, in his career, he has over 3,300 yards, um, and he's, you know, I guess kind of the exact opposite as EJ Williams. He kind of is a little bit shiftier, um, I guess might line up in that slot position for Indiana. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how EJ Williams and Decuse Carter play this spring, because if both of them can kind of elevate their game and be wide receiver one type guys, you pair them up with Cam Camper, and that's all of a sudden a solid trio. And then you look at Josh Henderson and Jalen Lucas in the backfield, um, you know, whether it be Dexter Williams or Taven Jackson for Indiana or a combination of the two, all of a sudden they have some weapons that um, they can kind of uh, get the ball to and open up this offense a little bit. So, I, again, temper your expectations, Indiana. I don't think your offensive line is going to be uh, take that big of a step forward where you're going to be averaging 30 points a game. But I think there is a big opportunity for there to be a step forward for this offense. So, And a lot of it hinges on how Jalen Lucas, EJ Williams, and Tequeuse Carter um, evolve and develop and improve throughout this spring. So definitely when you're watching the spring game and Indiana has the ball on offense, keep an eye on those three guys because – they could be the key to Indiana taking a step forward, or if they end up not really producing, not improving this offseason, it could be another rough year for Indiana. And moving over to the defensive side of the ball for Indiana, um, and listen, it, it's not, it's, it might be another rough year from them on the defensive side of the ball. There is a lot of turnover at all three levels of this defense, um, and this is a defense that was last in the Big Ten, giving up 34 points a game. But if Indiana does have a strength on this defense, it'll be their secondary. And they've actually had a pretty quality secondary the past few years, but that just hasn't shown up on the box score because their defensive front has been so weak and so um, incapable of getting pressure on the quarterback. It's hard to stop any passing game, any competent passing game, when the quarterback has you know five seconds to throw the ball. Um, and I think the defensive front you know, again, should struggle similarly. They lost a lot um, at linebacker, a lot along the defensive line. They did bring in some transfers, but I don't know if they'll have that big of an impact, um, especially given the quality of the offensive lines they're going to have to go through or go up against in the Big Ten East. Um, but if this secondary can take a step forward, 
um, and at least be competent and keep offenses like, you know, Ohio State, who's going to want to throw the ball all over the field. If they can keep offenses from taking the top off this defense and, and scoring seemingly at will and make them be patient, make them run the ball, make them go on 10, 12, 15 play drives in order to score, Indiana will have a chance because their offense should be able to put up points. You know, maybe they can frustrate the offense, uh, the opposing offense, um, in making them go on these long sustained drives. Um, and that's a way I think they'll be able to pick up some wins in Big Ten play, but it won't matter if the secondary doesn't continue to improve. And so a couple of guys that Indiana fans really need to key on in um, this spring. Uh, the first one is Travell Mullen. He was a four-star cornerback um, in last year's recruiting class and a freshman All-American. He had some bright spots um, as well as some low spots, but if he can develop um, into a kind of a true shutdown corner, someone who can match up with the litany of good receivers the Big Ten East has, um, they'll have a chance. But of course, not a lot of that will matter if there isn't someone on the other side uh, to kind of hold hold down um, their end of the bargain. So they brought in uh, some transfers. Nicholas Toomer, um, he transfers over from Stanford. He's had 29 tackles and five pass defended over the past two seasons. Uh, Jameer Johnson, he transfers over from Texas. He was a four-star in the 2021 class. I mean, Kobe Miner, he transfers from Texas Tech. Um, he's been a, He was a three-star in the 2020 class. Uh, he cracked the rotation last year, but still played sparingly. Um, but he does have some um, some quality experience to go off of. So whether it be one of those three chances that steps up on the other side of the field or James Mons, um, he returns. He was a three-star for Indiana last year, also a true freshman. Um, so you'd like to see some, some improvement there. Um, but whoever it may be, those are all names to watch out for. Um, you're really going to want to see if Trevell Mullen can really improve his play, become a true lockdown corner, and if someone else can step up on the opposite side of the field. Uh, so Indiana fans, keep an eye out on the secondary, especially the cornerback position when you're watching that spring game, because if this secondary can step up and you know play along with like even just the middle of the conference, um, Indiana will have a chance to win some games if they can just keep opposing offenses from taking up taking the top off the defense and, and scoring at will, which was pretty much the case last year. Next up is the Maryland Terrapins, who are coming off of a, an impressive eight-win campaign, surpassed a lot of the preseason expectations, and they got huge news to start this new year off when uh, Talia Tungavaiola announced he was returning for his final year of college um, to be the quarterback for Maryland again. Um, and honestly, uh, with with him returning, in Maryland does have a chance to have one of the most potent offenses, not just in the Big Ten, but in the entire country. They do lose three of their top five receivers from last year for the NFL, um, but none of those guys played in the bowl game. And, you know, they showed beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are reloading um, at that position. They also added in a couple of transfers from West Virginia and FIU. Uh, Roman Hemby at running back came on really strong at the end of last year. He's um, proving to be one of the Big Ten's better running backs um, in a you know in a conference that's really built on running backs. And then Corey Deitches is uh, returning at tight end. He's one of the best tight ends in all of college football. Um, and then Billy Edwards, he's um, a name to remember. He's the backup for Talia at quarterback. Um, but, you know, in the likely event that Tonga Viola gets hurt, misses a game or two, Billy Edwards proved he is a quality backup. So um, the weapons are all there. But what this is all going to rely on is the offensive line. This is a line that struggled um, for the, a lot of the last year and didn't really come on until later in the year, and they lose three starters from that offensive line. So Maryland fans throughout this spring, look when you're watching the offense, look no further than the offensive line because that is going to dictate how good this offense really can be. Um, but I do think 
that Maryland has a chance to take a big step forward along the offensive line. Um, DJ Glaze, he returns at right tackle. He is arguably their best offensive lineman from last year, so it's good to um, have one of the tackle spots solidified. He may move over um, to the left side to, repla- to replace Jalen Duncan, um, but either way, he's a good startings piece. Um, Mason Lunsford, he's the other returning starter. He's going to be plugged in at left guard. Colton Deary, uh, he played a lot as a true freshman last year, was kind of that first offensive lineman off the bench. Um, he's expected to play a much bigger role and uh, should feel in that center spot. And then the other tackle position, that's going to be a really interesting battle. Uh, they have Andre Roy, who was a freshman last year. He'll compete for that, but he has to go up against a couple transfers. Uh, Gottlieb Aids, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. Um, he transfers over from Frostburg University. He was first team all conference each of the past three seasons. Uh, so he is certainly going to have to, um, his name in the ring for that starting position. Um, and then Marcus Dumerville, also, he transfers over from LSU. He was a four-star recruit in the 2020 class. Uh, so between those three guys, it should be a pretty healthy competition at the other tackle spot. Um, and then even the guard position, um, there's Eric Harris, who played some center last year. If he gets a shot outside of center, he could be um, an interesting play at the other guard position. They have Corey Bullock, who transferred over from North Carolina Central. He was all-conference each of the past two seasons and was the best HBCU prospect um, in the transfer portal. So um, they have depth and they have options. I think um, that given how many bodies there are competing for spots and given... Um, yeah, I think just there's almost nowhere to go go but up from last year. I think this offensive line should be in a good spot, but that's certainly something that Maryland fans should be keying in on um, throughout the spring. Because if this offensive line can step up and you know be in maybe that even the top half of the Big Ten, watch out for this offense because they're going to be scary, they're going to be balanced, and they're going to have weapons all over the field. Um, but again, it's all going to hinge on this offensive line play. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Maryland's actually got an interesting situation on their hands because their linebacking core and the safety position are actually two of the strengths of the team. But at cornerback, they lose Deontay Banks and Jacorian Bennett, both of whom will be drafted next month. And those are massive losses, especially considering a lot of the guys that did get playing time at cornerback last year um, struggled. So what's interesting about Maryland is they typically run a 3-4 with two defensive tackles always on the field, one defensive end, and then they'll bring up like a jack linebacker close to the line of scrimmage acting as that other defensive end, um, or they'll bring multiple linebackers close to the line of scrimmage. Um, but really what they do is have those defensive tackles eat up blocks, and then they'll try to bring pressure um, from a lot of different ways, mainly because they haven't had a really quality edge rusher um, in quite some time. Uh, so, But what's going to be important this year is that I mean, listen, with with losing their top two cornerbacks, there's going to be a lot of inexperience there. And even though, um, you know, the safety position is a strength of theirs, I think the secondary will take a step back next year and will be susceptible and will struggle at times. But what's really going to determine how good this defense is um, and how... Uh, how many games they can really win in this competitive division, I think will come down to their defensive line Um, because it's going to be a case of can they generate pressure by themselves and let those linebackers kind of play off the line of scrimmage more, help more in pass defense, or will it be the same story of last year of not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks and needing those linebackers to step up and rush the quarterback? Um, Because I think if this defensive line can improve um, and get pressure by itself, this Maryland defense could come together and they could be a really dangerous team but if they're a defensive line that can just get pushed easily off the line um, again, they're going to struggle. Um, and unfortunately, they lose their top three guys at defensive tackle. Um, and their only starter um, they have returning at defensive end is Quashawn Fuller. 
He was the number 14 defensive end prospect in 2019, so you figure there's some untapped potential there, but he had only two TFLs and one sack last year, so um, that has yet to come to fruition. Um, one name to keep an eye on is Donnell Brown. He's transferring over from St. Francis. He had 45 tackles and six and a half sacks last year. Um, so maybe he can be, um, you know, a guy that can, um, be a quality edge rusher and get pressure on the quarterback. But, um, a lot of it's going to depend on the defensive tackle position too. How do they replace, uh, those? top three guys that they're leaving a few of them for the nfl um jordan phillips he's a transfer from tennessee he's a name to keep an eye on he played sparingly last year um but yeah there's just not a lot of experience along this defensive line so they will need someone to step up so maryland fans definitely key in on this defensive line as you're watching the spring game see if they can get some sort of push um against what should be an improved offensive line a good test for them um, but you know, if they struggle again, if it's too easy to kind of just push them off the line and if they have to rely on linebackers to, um, get TFLs and get pressure on the quarterback, it's going to leave what should be a completely revamped, uh, secondary. It's going to leave them very susceptible. Um, and you know, teams like Ohio state, Penn state will be able to, to take advantage of that. So if Maryland wants a chance at legitimately competing for the big 10 East, which I know is a big ask, and I know not, not a lot of Terrapin fans are expecting that, but if they do want a chance, this defensive line will have to step up, um, and, you know, play at, at, at the very least at an average level of play, um, which is not something we've seen out of them. So Maryland fans definitely key in on that defensive line throughout the spring. Next up is the now back-to-back defending Big Ten champion Michigan Wolverines, and the tune around them this offseason is much different than it's really ever been under Jim Harbaugh. The conversation is no longer about how can you beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, and gain some national respect. Uh, They've done that each of the past two years, getting to the college football playoff, but the conversation now is how can Michigan take another step forward, improve, and become truly one of the nation or the nation's best team. They want to win a playoff game, and they want to compete for a national championship. Uh, So starting on the offensive side of the ball, they certainly, uh, at least on paper, have the tools to get it done and have one of the best offenses in the country. J.J. McCarthy returns for his second full year as starter at quarterback. Uh, Blake Corum surprisingly spurned the NFL to come back to uh, Michigan for one more year. He's paired up with Donovan Edwards to make up one of the most dynamic uh, backfields in all of college football. They, as always, have a deep tight end room and should have, uh, for the third straight year, one of, if not the best, offensive line in all of college football. They do lose two starters on that offensive line from last year, but they once again once again, uh, dip their hand in that transfer portal uh, to replenish that line, so they should have no worries there. Um, but I think really what's going to determine how good this offense can really be and ultimately whether or not Michigan can win a national championship is the wide receiver room. So Michigan's only real loss in, the, in that room is Ronnie Bell, but that's definitely a big one. He was uh, really their biggest playmaker in that passing game. He had 889 receiving yards, which was about a third of J.J. McCarthy's total passing yards on the season. He also had 62 receptions, which was almost twice as much as any other receiver had on Michigan. So um, it's, a, it's a huge loss for them, uh, make no mistake. They do return Cornelius Johnson, who was third on the team in receiving in receptions last year and second in yards. Um, um, and he had a huge game 
against Ohio State. He was a big reason why they were what they were able to pull off that win with 160 yards receiving. Um, but those only came on four receptions, and I think a lot of those uh, was more of the case of busted coverages on Ohio State's part and just poor missed tackles. So I don't think it was so much of him putting on display how he can be, uh, you know, that alpha number one receiver. Um, he's a great great receiver. Don't get me wrong. He stands at six foot three, 211 pounds, so a good frame. He's also very athletic and has good speed. So um, he's a good number one receiver for Michigan, but, you know, don't get him mistaken with, you know, the kind of receivers that Ohio State's been, you know, continually producing, developing, and, you know, seeing that jump that they make seemingly every year. You know, he, he's likely not a first round draft pick is, is kind, of, kind of what I'm getting at. So, um, but he's definitely a great number one receiver to have in college. They also return uh, Roman Wilson. He's likely to be the number two receiver. He had a big day against uh, TCU in their matchup with over 100 yards receiving. Um, and he's a good compliment to Cornelius Johnson. Um, he's a little bit smaller, smaller frame, big run after the cash guy. He's got some great speed. Um, so he's the kind of guy you want to try to get in space. And um, so with Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson, it's definitely a good duo for Michigan to have. But in order for this team to really take that next step up, they're going to have to prove that they are capable of throwing the ball 30, 40 times and, you know, having over 400 yards passing in a game if they if it does get to that. Um, is likely, you know, Michigan will be able to win minimum 10 games without having to throw the ball probably more than even 10 times. Their running backs, um, JJ McCarthy's legs and their offensive line, and honestly, their defense are that good. But we're, t- we're not talking about how can they win 10 games, how can they win the Big Ten. We're talking about how can they win a national championship. And this passing game is going to have to develop. J.J. McCarthy is going to have to throw for more than 2,700 yards this year if they want to win a championship. And in order for that to happen, he's obviously going to have to uh, show some signs of improvement himself, especially with those deep balls. Um, but he's going to need more help. With Ronnie Bell gone, either Cornelius Johnson or Roman Wilson are going to have to show massive strides of improvement, or one of these younger, inexperienced guys is going to have to step up and be a legitimate contributor and someone um, that you can't just match up, uh, you know, a, a nickel back on and expect to shut him down. He's um, They're going to have to step up into a much bigger role. So I believe in Cornelius Johnson as their number one receiver, but Michigan fans definitely key in on Roman Wilson to see if he shows signs of being a legitimate um, receiver that can go up, you know, and get jump balls and really challenge cornerbacks and be more than just kind of a uh, run after the catch guy. And if it's not going to be Roman Wilson who steps up, um, you look at you're going to have to look at the batch of receivers from last year's freshman class: uh, Darius Clemens, Tyler Morris, and Amorian Walker. Um, two four stars and one three star receiver uh, that Michigan got in last year's class. Um, they definitely provide good depth for this um, for this team, but they had only five combined receptions last year, so there's a lot of unknown around them. So um, again, if Roman Wilson isn't going to show signs of being that kind of quality number two next to Cornelius Johnson who can really challenge cornerbacks it's going to probably have to be one of those three uh, that really step up into a much bigger role so keep your eye on Darius Clemens Tyler Morris and Amorian Walker throughout the spring and key on them in the spring game um, to see if they show signs of growth and if they can really step up and be a guy who has you know five six seven eight hundred yards receiving next year Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, if there's one area on this defense that legitimately scares me for Michigan, it's their pass rush. 
So heading into last season, the big narrative was how can they overcome the losses of Ajabo and Hutchinson and generate pressure on the quarterback. And for actually the majority of the season, the stats were saying that they were a better team getting after the quarterback than they were in 2021. Uh, but I don't really think the experts really always bought into that. Michigan was beating up on a really a lot of really bad teams who often had to throw the ball a lot early. Um, but I think the, the reality really set in for Michigan towards the end of the season in their three closest games, which were Illinois, Ohio State and TCU, they registered only two sacks. And heading into this season, they lose Mike Morris at defensive end, who was their leader, their alpha pass rusher, who really stepped up in replace of uh, Aiden Hutchinson. And they also lose Mozzie Smith at defensive tackle. Um, and no one outside of Mike Morris last season had more than five sacks. So it's going to be a very similar case of needing guys to step up who haven't produced at a really high level for them yet. So they have shown the capability to do that, but I'm not convinced that they can do that for a second straight year some names to watch for Michigan on this front throughout the spring. The first one is Jalen Harrell. He kind of figures to be the next leader at the group, the next Aiden Hutchinson, the next Mike Morris. I know those are uh, big shoes to fill into, but that's kind of what the expectation has become at Michigan. Um, so he's their top returner. Last year, he had seven and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Um, so again, he's going to have to take a big step forward. So definitely look for signs of that in the spring to see if he can elevate his game to the, um, another level. Josiah Stewart, that's another interesting name to keep an eye on. He transfers over from uh, Coastal Carolina. In 2021, he had a huge season, 12 and a half sacks and three forced fumbles. He did take a step back last season with only three and a half sacks, um, but they, uh, the potential and talent is definitely there. He's going to throw his hat in the ring for a starting spot, probably competing with uh, Derek Moore, who was a freshman last year, the number eight defensive lineman in the 2022 class as well as uh, Braden McGregor. He's from the 2020 class. So Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore, Braden McGregor, probably going to be um, competing for that starting spot opposite Jalen Harrell. So definitely keep an eye on uh, those four guys throughout the spring and in the spring game. See where this next great pass rusher is going to come from. Because if this pass rush uh, can improve from last season and take another step forward, coupled with one of the best offenses in the country, watch out for Michigan. They should, and rightfully so, be uh, the favorite to win the Big Ten. They should get back to the playoff and be in a much better position to win a playoff game and compete for a national championship. But if no one shows signs of stepping up on along this defensive line and the pass rush takes another step back again from last year, then it's just going to be really tough, let alone for Michigan to compete for a national championship, but it'll be tough for them to win the Big Ten, win this really challenging division, and get back to the playoff. So I think the success of this defense and how far it can take them definitely hinges on how they're going to be able to get after the quarterback this season. Next up is the Michigan State Spartans, who are coming off of a pretty disappointing five-win campaign last year, and it does seem like Mel Tucker has started to lose some of the some of that momentum he had going for them with this program. But luckily for Mel Tucker and Michigan State, they do return a good amount of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, starting at uh, the offensive side of the ball, Peyton Thorne comes back at quarterback. He really blew up onto the scene in 2021 with a really great season, um, but he definitely took a step back last season. He threw for fewer yards and fewer touchdowns, had a worse yards per attempt, and his uh, quarterback rating plummeted. So he's definitely got talent. I know Michigan State can win games with him, but he's um, hoping to take a big step forward, uh, improve a lot, and kind of flip the switch on his career. 
He will have a pretty solid wide receiver room to throw to. They do lose Jaden Reed to the NFL, who I think will be a diamond in the rough for someone. But Keon Colon uh, broke through last year, could be one of the Big Ten's best this year. Trey Mosley also returns. He's a solid number two to re- uh, two receiver. Um, some questions behind them, but I definitely think um, they will have a good enough, you know, good enough weapons for Peyton Thorne to distribute the ball to, uh, mainly because they also return Malik Carr at tight end and bring in three transfers from Wisconsin, Boise State, and Norfolk State. So uh, they really bolster that tight end room, which we know Michigan State loves to use their tight ends. Uh, and even their offensive line should take another step forward. They really struggled last year. They do return... Um, Three starters, you know, have some solid depth and bring in a, the number eight JUCO transfer um, to compete for one of those starting spots. So, um, you know, shouldn't be an overly dominant offensive line, but should take another step forward. What I think uh, the success of this offense is really going to come down to, though, is the running back position. Because we saw how Kenneth Walker made this offense run. there, um, It opened up so much for them in the passing game. And that the running game was just nearly non-existent last season. Uh, Jalen Berger does return. He was a Wisconsin transfer from last year. Um, and he is Michigan State's leading rusher. But he had only 683 rush yards last year. So that kind of illustrates how much they did struggle to run the ball. Uh, Jarek Broussard, he's also returning. He was their third leading rusher last year. He transferred over uh, last season two from Colorado. So you hope being around for another season, getting more familiarity with the offense and the program and your teammates, Berger and Broussard should be able to take another step forward. But um, so definitely keep an eye out for their performance. See if either one of them can kind of take the step forward and be one of those guys who can carry the rock 20, 25 games times a game. Um, but more interestingly, I'm actually going to keep my eye on a couple of transfers they brought in because it really seems like Michigan State loves to live through the transfer portal at this running back position. Um, Jaron Mangum, he transfers over from USF. Uh, he had 775 rush yards with them the past two seasons. He also was at Colorado before. He had 575 yards there over two seasons. So he hasn't been terribly productive, um, but you never know what a change of scenery can do for a player. There's also Nathan Carter, who transfers over from UConn. He had 983 yards over the past two seasons. Uh, so they have bodies in the running back room, which is nice. And I think, you know, some some strong competition will definitely help one of these guys emerge. But if Michigan State wants to get back to you know competing with Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State, um, they're going to have to rely on their run game or at least have a much more effective run game to help Peyton Thorne help take some of the, the weight off of his shoulders because if Michigan State has to go to him to win a game and he has to throw the ball 30, 40 times, they're going to lose. Uh, nine times out of 10. That's just that's just uh, a fact. So someone out of this backfield is going to have to step up. Someone's going to have to be a thousand yard rusher and someone that they can confidently hand the ball off to to get four, five, six yards of carry. Um, so whether it be Jalen Berger or Jarek Broussard who return or Mangum or Carter, one of these two new transfers, uh, Michigan State fans keep an eye out on that running back room and see if someone something special can happen. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball for Michigan State, anyone who's watched a lick of them play at all the past two seasons should know exactly where I'm going with this, and it's all about their secondary. They had the worst pass defense in all of college football in 2021, so naturally they did take some steps forward last season, but still amongst the worst in the conference, amongst the worst in the country. Uh, If Michigan State wants to get back to a bowl game, this secondary will have to shape up and improve but Michigan State has bigger goals than just getting to 6-6 six and six and going to some lousy bowl game. They want to compete with and beat Michigan like they did for so many years uh, last decade. 
So uh, starting with the cornerback position, they lose Amir Speed and Ronald Williams. So a knock at depth there, but you know neither of them were particularly standout cornerbacks for Michigan State. Uh, Charles Brantley, he's a name. He's a name to keep an eye on. He's now Michigan State's most experienced uh, cornerback in his third year with the program. He seems like the favorite to get a starting spot along with Samar Melvin. He is another name to keep an eye out for. He transfers over from Wisconsin. He was a three-star in the 2019 class, so he's got a lot of experience under his belt, although he has only played sparingly for Wisconsin over the past four seasons, never quite um, you know, punching through uh, that depth chart and getting a starting spot. So those seem like the two favorites to play at cornerback, although they will probably rotate in a lot of guys as Mel Tucker likes to do. Um, but you definitely want to keep an eye on this cornerback position, see if a lockdown can emerge and just see if you can find some semblance of improvement. Moving over to the safety position, they lose another two guys there, but Jaden Mangum and Dylan Tatum are both two names to keep an eye on in the safety position. They were both four-star athletes in last year's class. So they have another year of experience under their belt. Hopefully, you um, at least one of them can take a big step forward and be an all-Big Ten type safety for them. Um, they definitely have the athleticism to pull that off. So um, it's just Michigan State fans know this already. you got to keep an eye on this secondary. Um, they're going to have a couple of good receivers to go up against in the spring game, so hopefully uh, they can show you something there. But it is no secret to anyone that follows the Big Ten that Michigan State is going to need a um, much better improvement and a much better performance from their secondary this season if they want to get back to you know eight win nine win mark like we've been pretty used to Michigan State getting to so Michigan State keep an eye on that secondary and keep an eye on that running back room Next up is Penn State, who is garnering a lot of hype this offseason, uh, more hype than we've really seen out of Penn State since the Saquon Barkley years, and I think Penn State fans have good reason to expect this team to be the one that can knock off Ohio State and Michigan, win the Big Ten, and get their first ever college football playoff um, appearance. Starting on the offensive side of the ball, again, it's kind of a theme in the Big Ten, but they have one of the best backfields in the entire country. Nick Singleton and Katron Allen uh, burst onto the scene last year as true freshmen. They both return. Um, they should have another really good receiving room. Uh, they do may take a step back. They lose their top two receivers in Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, but Keandre Lambert-Smith is a legitimate number one guy. He had a huge Rose Bowl performance. Um, expect big things out of him. He's got all Big Ten potential. Uh, and they do have some good depth with guys they re- they have recruited over the past two seasons. You know, Harrison Wallace, Omari Evans, those are names to keep an eye out on. But I think their number two receiver will actually be Dante Cephas. He transfers over from Kent State. He had, um, over the past two seasons, he's had almost 2,000 yards receiving and 12 touchdowns. He's a really speedy deep threat, so I think he actually pairs really well with Lambert Smith, who's kind of that more um, you know, physical type receiver. They also bring in Malik McLean. He's from Florida State. He was a highly rated guy, only has 33 receptions over the past two seasons, but definitely has untapped potential there. So I think Penn State will have a solid receiver room as they usually do. Um, and their offensive line returns four or five starters. Um, and this is a group that improved vastly from 2021. So on paper, they again should have a really good offense, but 
I think what will be the tipping point for them uh, as to whether or not this is just going to be another nice 10-2 and team that'll go play in a good New Year's Six Bowl game or a legitimate Big Ten championship contender and national title contender is going to be the quarterback position. Um, Drew Aller, he was a five-star quarterback out of the 2022 class, so he was a true freshman last year. Didn't see the field a whole lot, but Penn State fans are talking him up like he is a bona fide first-round draft pick, and this spring will really be our first look into that. So if I'm a Penn State fan, um, on the offensive side of the ball, all eyes are on this quarterback. Because, don't get me wrong, Sean Clifford has been a solid quarterback for Penn State for many, many years. He's a scrappy guy, he's hard to tackle, he can make a lot of good throws, but um, he's a lot like Trace McSorley. I think your offense is kind of capped with a guy like that. He's you know, not the kind of guy that can deliver dots all over the field, you know, throw 50, 60 yard um, you know, bombs on a rope and can make those NFL throws. You know, your offense is limited, as great as um, Penn State's receivers have been. And so, you know, apparently Drew Aller is the kind of guy that can make those throws. And if that's really the case, if he has that um, kind of pocket poise, if he has that arm talent, um, then this Penn State offense could be really scary. And I wouldn't hesitate to put Penn State as the favorite to win the Big Ten East. But it all lies on his shoulders. And I think being a true sophomore stepping into the starting role, it's going to be a really quick ramp up and it's he's going to have to learn quickly. So this spring, we get our first look in at him, uh, and I think his performance is really going to determine whether or not Penn State can be a good team or a really great team. Defensively, for Penn State this year, uh, Penn State fans have a big reason for optimism. I think that back seven should be um, one of the nation's best, highlighted by Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter at linebacker and Kalen King at Keaton Ellis in the secondary. All four of those guys have All-America potential. But how great this defense really is hinges on the defensive line. Even though Penn State was amongst the nation's leaders in sacks last year, a lot of those sacks came from their elite group of linebackers and even guys in the secondary. Uh, they brought blitzes from a lot of different places. So what I'm curious about this defensive line, namely on the uh, the end positions, is... Can someone step up to be a really elite pass rusher? Uh, Addison Isaac and Chop Robinson, they're the top two returners. They're the most likely guys that can step up into those roles. They combined for 21 TFLs and nine and a half sacks last year. So productive. These are solid guys, but you know, not all Big Ten, not all American type guys. So I want to see if Isaac or Robinson can step up into that elite pass rusher role. They do have some solid depth behind them. They brought in a boatload of edge recruits, a lot of four-star guys like Tamir Robinson. Um, so keep an eye on some freshmen this spring. Maybe one of them can raise some eyebrows and do for the defensive line what Singleton and Allen did for uh, the running back room last year. So definitely don't sleep on the freshmen, but I want to see if any of these defensive ends, any of these edge rushers can take another step forward and be truly elite. And then at defensive tackle, they lose their all-Big Ten guy, P.J. Mustafer. He was an absolute unit, one of the best tackles in the entire country. Uh, he's going to the NFL next year. He should be, you know, probably a day-two pick, a high day-two pick. He's a, he's a guy. He will be playing a lot on Sundays. Um, and he's just one of those guys that's incredibly hard to replace. 
Uh, Hakeem Beeman, he figures to be locked in as one of the starters. And then Koziah Izzard and Devon Elias, they're going to compete for the other starting spot, most likely. Um, so keep an eye on those three guys to see if they kind of show flashes of being able to replace Mustafer. And they have a really deep group of defensive tackles. Um, it's just, like I said, tough to replace one of the best to do it um, in the Big Ten. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if any of these uh, relatively new faces can can insert themselves and, and be impact players at the defensive tackle position. So really across the board for the defensive line, they do return a lot of experience, and there's a lot of guys that Penn State fans should be familiar with, but I'm curious how these guys are going to improve. It should be a solid defensive line either way, but if this defense wants to be truly elite and one of the nation's best, this defensive line is going to have to improve. Um, so Again, defensively, if this defensive line can be one of the one of the Big Ten's best, watch out for this defense because they will be nasty. And then offensively, if if Drew Aller um, ends up being everything Penn State fans think he seems to be, um, then it's this is going to be one of the nation's best teams. And you know, is not just a Big Ten um, Big Ten title contender, but they could be a legitimate national title contender. So Penn State fans, keep an eye on that quarterback and keep an eye on your defensive line. Next up is the Ohio State Buckeyes, who despite dropping games to Michigan in back-to-back years and failing to get to the Big Ten Championship each of the past two years, you know, they have their sights set on um, another shot at the national championship. Uh, they're not backing down after after losses to Michigan and that heartbreaking game against Georgia. Um, they're confident in their team, and rightfully so. On the offensive side of the ball, it is well documented how great their skill position players are. Uh, running back, they, like Michigan and like Penn State, have one of the best backfields in the entire country. Mayan Williams returns and Travion Henderson uh, also returns. He was one of the best running backs in the entire country as a true freshman in 2021, but then it turns out he did get hurt against Notre Dame in that opener last year and tried to play through it, but was never quite right. But he had surgery this offseason. He's back and healthy. Evan Pryor was supposed to be their RB3 last year, um, but he missed the entire year. He's healthy. And Dallin Hayden, who was kind of thrust into the, the spotlight against Maryland and really carried Ohio State's offense as a true freshman in that game, um, he's there to provide depth. So just really great running back room. Um, and then the receivers are very well documented. Marvin Harrison, the best in the business. Uh, Mecca Ibuka, one, maybe one of the nation's most underappreciated receivers, who's kind of operating in Marvin Harrison's spotlight. I mean, shadow, and that should be. Um, then they return Julian Fleming and Xavier Johnson as well. Jaden Ballard, uh, he was a freshman in last year's class. He's a candidate to break out. Carnell Tate is a true freshman who's raising some eyebrows at spring practice already. So just an absolutely loaded receiver room. Cade Stover returns at tight end. Um, but I, you know, all eyes are going to be on this quarterback competition, you know, Kyle McCord versus Devin Brown, five stars in each of the past two classes. Um, you know, you figure Kevin Kyle McCord has the hand up. He has that extra year of experience with Ryan day in this offense. He was also high school teammates with Marvin Harrison. So he has that experience there, um, with him. So that's, that'll definitely be beneficial for him, but, 
Um, you know, I don't have to tell Ohio State fans to keep an eye out for this quarterback battle. And frankly, I think Ohio State fans are at the point of kind of, you know, expecting greatness from the position. Ryan Day has generated three straight first round quarterbacks um, out of Ohio State. And, you know, say what they say what you want about, you know, how their performance was in the NFL. Um, we're talking about college here. And those were all extremely successful, talented college quarterbacks that he produced. And there's no reason to believe that he can't do the same with either Kyle McCoy or Devin Brown. Um, so obviously how successful this Ohio State offense really is will come down to them, but I don't need to tell Big Ten fans to keep an eye on one of the most tracked quarterback battles in the entire country. So um, a little side note, another position worth watching is along this offensive line. Um, so they returned Donovan Jackson uh, and Matthew Jones at both of the guard positions. Uh, Josh Fryer returns. He was their um, you know, sixth offensive line, the first guy off the bench. He had a start last year. He's going to step up at the left tackle position. They seem really confident in him. Um, and Carson Hinsman, he's been raising some eyebrows at the center position. He seems like he's the early favorite, but he's going to be battling, um, you know, with, with Jacob James and Akfamahi, um, and a, a transfer they got from, uh, ULM, Louisiana Monroe and Victor Cutler. So they have a lot of guys gunning for that position. You figure someone is going to step up. Ohio State always has a quality center but um, the right tackle position really seems wide open unlike the center position there hasn't been you know a name really dropped as you know oh watch out for this guy he's really raising eyebrows it's just it's a wide open position um, you know Josh Fryer should lock down that left tackle position but it's scary kind of having complete uncertainty at one of the tackle positions so um, that's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, obviously quarterback is the headline throughout the spring for Ohio State, but Ohio State fans, if you're going to bother looking anywhere else during the spring game, other than how, um, McCord and Brown play, definitely check out the right tackle position because that is really the only other position on this offense that's kind of up for grabs and uncertain. So, um, you know, obviously quarterback's the name of the game but if you got to look somewhere else check out that right tackle position for ohio state and then moving to the defensive side of the ball for ohio state you know just like michigan state this should come to as no surprise to anyone it's all about their secondary and for a lot of last year it did seem like ohio state made a good fix in the secondary and um statistically ohio state was a top 10 defense for a lot of last year but then um, in their final three games against Maryland, against Michigan, against Georgia, um, this secondary really flamed out. Their whole defense as a whole kind of disappointed, but again, it was their secondary just having busted coverages and missing tackles. So all eyes are going to be on the secondary for the third straight offseason for Ohio State. And, um, you know, it's definitely nerve wracking. <laughs> so at the cornerback position, they lose Cam Brown, who was their best quarterback. They also lose a couple um, transfers who str struggled to see the field even in this kind of shit show of a position group. So, you know, you figure they weren't going to start either way, but that definitely hurts their depth. Um Denzel Burke, he was a freshman All-American in 2021. He did have a lot of penalties, but he showed a lot of promise. He um, was one of the Big Ten leaders in passes defended. He was kind of the guy that was pegged as the next great cornerback at Ohio State. He was supposed to step up and have a great 2022, but he really struggled last year. Oftentimes, he was just he was in position, but he just wasn't able to get his head turned around and make a good play on the ball. So he's 
still expected to be their number one cornerback. So if I'm, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I am looking nowhere else but Denzel Burke on the defensive side of the ball. I want to see how he's playing. Um, but also, it's going to be really interesting who the other starting spot goes to. There's Jordan Hancock and Jair Brown who will be competing for that. Um, they saw, saw the field sparingly last year. Um, but then there's Davidson Igbenosum. He's a transfer from Ole Miss, and he has been turning heads early at spring practice. Um, he is, you know, he started 10 games for Ole Miss last season. He had up and down results, but that was as a true freshman. He was a four-star cornerback in last year's recruiting class. So the the experience he has is invaluable, and it really seems like he's pushing everyone at spring practice. So he really seems like the favorite to get the other job. Um, so I want to keep an eye out on those two because it, Ohio State, you know, best case scenario could have two lockdown cornerbacks on their hands if um, Igbenosum kind of elevates his game. Um, and takes another step forward from last year, and if Denzel Burke can show improvement, but depth is definitely a concern at cornerback. If a couple guys go down, I don't know where Ohio State will turn. Um, And then the safety position is really interesting for Ohio State because they have a lot of talented guys. Um, Josh Proctor, Nathan Ransom, Sonny Styles, Kyle Stokes, Cam Martinez, Jahad Carter um, is another transfer they got from Syracuse. So they have a lot of guys to choose from, and you know, I get Ohio State plays three safeties most of the time, so they're um, all will likely get play time. But what I really am curious about, and I don't know if we'll get an answer um, this spring in, or in the spring game, but I'm curious if um, their defensive coordinator Jim Knowles will be more willing to play without three safeties and get more guys who can really cover, because in in today's college football. It is hard to play the most elite teams with three safeties on the field because so many teams can throw the ball effectively now and they can find that mismatch because if you're playing three safeties, more than likely one of those guys is going to have to end up one-on-one on a receiver and offenses now can find that mismatch and expose it. And we saw that happen time and time again against Michigan, against Maryland, and against uh, Georgia in those final three games. So I'm curious if um, Jim Knowles will be willing to tweak his defense a little bit, even though they have some uh, you know, great talent at the safety position, they can't afford to always have a mismatch out at receiver. So will he be willing to change up his defense a little bit more? Again, I don't think we'll actually find out that answer to that this spring, but definitely something to keep an eye out for um, throughout the summer and as the season gets started. Uh, But either way, I think Ohio State's defense uh, should take another step forward this year. Definitely keep an eye on that cornerback position. Denzel Burke and Davidson Igbenosum are the two biggest names that I'd be watching for as an Ohio State fan. Um, And then offensively, as I said, you know, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, one of the biggest position battles in the entire country. But if you're going to look elsewhere, check out that right tackle position. Um, But either way, Ohio State is gearing up for what should be um, another great season for them. Very talented team the next and final team we're going to cover today is the Rutgers scarlet knights and it's kind of funny we're starting and ending this episode with the two teams that have really lived in the basement of the big 10 east since the conference expanded uh but as i touched on in the uh, coaches episode before um i still have some faith in greg shiano and what he's building at Rutgers in this second go around and starting on the offensive side of the ball there is some reason to have optimism they returned three starters along an offensive line that elevated their play and actually played pretty well um the only loss they have at the skill position players is wide receiver aaron Cruikshank. Uh, and they brought in a load of wide receivers in this latest recruiting class along with a transfer um, Nassim Brantley who's a name to keep an eye out on but uh, all the experience they have on the offensive side of the ball won't matter if they don't see 
um, marked improvement at the quarterback position. Uh, all three guys that saw time last year return, that's Gavin Wimsat, Evan Simon, and Noah Vedrill, uh, but none of them played well last year. Noah Vedrill was kind of the incumbent starter coming into the year, but he was hurt, missed a lot of time at the beginning of the year. When he did get healthy, it seemed like uh, the coaches kind of thrust him into the lineup and tried to, you know, force him the ball. Um, but he never really elevated the the offense when he was in. Evan Simon was statistically their best quarterback last year, but he had just four touchdowns to six interceptions. So that kind of illustrates uh, the kind of play they were getting from the quarterback position. And then there's Gavin Wimsat, who was a four-star quarterback in the 2021 class. He is a dual threat, really athletic guy, and he is a fan favorite. Rutgers fans are really hoping he kind of steps up his game and can become the full-time starter. Um but he hasn't shown the capacity to do so yet. Um, you know, as as athletic as he is, he's really struggled to complete basic passes. And, you know, part of that maybe is because the coaching staff hasn't given him, you know, the, the full green light to go out and run this offense. Like I said, I think a big reason why this quarterback room struggled last year was because they rotated quarterbacks out constantly. Um, towards the end of the year, all three guys were playing a lot of snaps, and there really seemed like there was no rhyme or reason to when guys got subbed out. There was never a chance for any quarterback to really capture any momentum. So even though the court, uh, the coaching staff can be blamed in part for the lack of production from the quarterback room, at the end of the day, one of these three guys is going to have to step up and show improvement this spring. They're going to have to show that they have the capability to make opposing defenses actually plan for something in the passing game. Um, or maybe the coaching staff can show a, a willingness to change up this offense and you know utilize Gavin Wimsatt's legs more. Uh, either way, if I'm a Rutgers fan this spring, I am looking nowhere else other than this quarterback room on the offensive side of the ball. If Rutgers wants any chance at getting to a bowl game this year uh, and taking that next step forward as a program, they're going to have to get something out of this quarterback room. So definitely keep your eyes there, Rutgers fans. And defensively for Rutgers, uh, they've actually played pretty admirably under Greg Schiano. Last season, despite having a completely anemic offense, uh, they were middle of the pack in the Big Ten in most defensive statistics. So all things considered, they did play really well last year. Uh, and the front seven only loses one guy at defensive tackle, so they should be pretty set there. But if I'm a Rutgers fan, I'm definitely a little nervous about this secondary, mainly because I think it's more likely than not that they don't see a big improvement out of the quarterback position, so it's very likely that their offense could really struggle to score again, and if this secondary takes a step back from last year, it's going to be way too easy for opposing teams to, to pile up points and really put Rutgers into the dirt um, early in games, especially the, the top teams in the Big Ten. So Rutgers loses uh, three starters in total from the secondary, uh, one of their starting cornerbacks, their nickelback, and one of their safeties. Max Melton, he's definitely a name to keep an eye on, see if he can really elevate his play and become a true lockdown cornerback. Um, they'll have a strong competition for that other quarterback cornerback spot, um, but a couple names to keep an eye on would be uh, Charles Amonqua and Eric Rogers. They transfer from Air, uh, Akron in Northern Illinois, respectfully. Uh, so, you know, maybe one of these guys can be a nice surprise for that Rutgers secondary. Uh, and then for the safety position, their lone returning starter is Desmond Igbenosum, who, funny enough, is actually the brother of Ohio State's Davis and Igbenosum, who just transferred over from Ole Miss. Um, we talked about him earlier. So um, I guess talent definitely runs in this guy's family. Uh, but I think an under the radar uh, player to keep an eye on would be Devon Fuse. 
He was um, a three-star athlete out of this recruiting class, so he's a true freshman for Rutgers, um, but he can really play a lot of positions. It's not certain where he's going to land. People kind of figure he'll be in that secondary, probably fit in at a safety position, but he's a really athletic guy. Um, he could maybe step up and catch some uh, significant playtime as a freshman. And then Michael Dixon, he's another name to keep an eye on. He transferred over from Minnesota, so uh, Rutgers definitely doesn't have a lack of bodies in the secondary. It's just a lot of inexperience. Um, and it's going to have to be a case of, you know, we talked about it a lot, someone's going to have to step up in the secondary uh, if Rutgers wants a chance at kind of keeping that lid on the defense and you know not making it so easy for opposing offenses to score. Hopefully their offense does step up and they don't have to rely so much on their defense keeping them in games, but um, we'll see. So Rutgers fans definitely keep an eye out on for that um, your quarterback position and this secondary because if this secondary can at least stay at the level it was last year, Rutgers really does have a good chance of getting back to a bowl game. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Floor Slap Podcast. Appreciate you for listening along. Uh, Keep an eye out for our next episode covering the Big Ten West and their spring storylines. That should be really interesting because, as we know, the Big Ten West is a lot more muddied than the East is. The East kind of has a very clear hierarchy. The Big Ten West is kind of the exact opposite it's an open ball game anyone can really win that division so it'll be really interesting to walk through uh the all seven of those teams and figure out what you need to keep an eye out for there Uh, but until then thank you for listening along have a great week and we will talk again soon